This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets kick off their new campaign and it's another season back in the Championship. This is the Non and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and listeners, we are back for another season of your favourite podcast and the analysis show. This week, I am joined by my colleagues, Tom Whitaker and George Poole, and we are going to be looking back at a very surprising, slightly unexpected, maybe we should say, but fantastic opening victory away at Huddersfield. It was all change. It was a new look Burnley side and one that we just didn't know how was going to perform on this championship stage. A new manager, a whole new defence, most of a first team completely changed and most definitely a new formation. But the Clarets brought it home. It was an emphatic victory by anybody's standards and one that has suddenly got the entire footballing world sitting up and taking notice. Gentlemen, Welcome back to another season of the podcast. How are we both? Evening, Natalie. I'm a lot better after Friday. <laughs> yeah, I bet. George, come on, give us some positivity. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, uh, I think we all just wanted to record this podcast as soon as the final whistle on Friday. So feels yeah. good, get, good to get around to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, listeners, we, we desperately wanted to get this done, but our uh, our social uh, diaries didn't quite get us all together until Monday night. Um, before we get into a deep dive of what happened on Friday night, let's let's start with some immediate reaction. And, you know, I'm going to go relatively easy on you because, you know, we're colleagues and we've worked together for a long time now and I, I adore and respect you both. But I think it's fair to say that both of you two were definitely not on camp sunshine before this season started. Um, Tom, I'm going to start with you. I guess just in general terms, what was your immediate reaction to that game on Friday night? Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, kind of up to now. I've not been that sort of, I wouldn't say like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doom and gloom about this season, but neither have I been sort of on the same train that a lot of people seem to be on her father. She's going to be brilliant, you know, new new style and all this kind of thing. I was a little bit sceptical. Um, I was up, I was up for the game, you know, and then I was outside the stadium and I saw the team come through and I just thought, what the hell is this team like? <laughs> I think it hadn't really hit me, you know, how many players we've sold and, and yeah. perhaps we've still got one or two gaps to plug. So 
when I saw that lineup, and I, it really it screamed Sean Dyche FA Cup third round. That, do you know what I mean? It's like oh, okay, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought when I saw that team. I thought, God, it's like square pegs and round holes. Thought there's no wingers. There's, there's a, a young lad making his debut. Charlie Taylor appears to be playing centre half, and my enthusiasm waned a little bit. And uh, uh, you know your enthusiasm I, waned I will not share the message that you put in our group chat but I think to say your enthusiasm waned is somewhat of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, yeah let, let's just leave it there it was more I'm, than that I'm a friendly version of what happened yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my enthusiasm waned somewhat but do you know what hold my hands up I was, I was miles off because it was absolutely fantastic that, that first half was just Honestly, I was gu- anybody that I've spoke to about it, I'm just gushing. I, I can't believe how good it was. Like, you know, it's, I, I wasn't expecting too much from these first few weeks. You now I thought it's a new manager. I think we had eight debutants, so it's a whole new team. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, a new style of play. And I thought, well, it's going to take us a bit of time to get going. So, you know, I, I said, well, they asked me the other week when I was, we were doing the preview podcast, what I thought probably a, a draw. We'll probably grind out a draw down there. But honestly, we, uh, the football was just sublime. It was brilliant. You know, I'm not, I've said before, I'm not a fan of this. Pass it sideways between the centre halves. I think it's unnecessarily risky and it's slow. But there was none of that. You know, they, they took risks, sure, but they they paid off. And it wasn't just passing for the sake of passing. That every pass was looking to open them up. It was looking to do something. The formation was really clever. It was really innovative. You know, you said about Taylor playing centre half. To me, at times, it really looked like we were playing sort of three centre halves. So you had Harwood Bellis, yeah, yeah, and out centre half, and then sort of Taylor and Roberts were, were dropping back. Uh, Matson and and Costello kind of playing. What would you, would you call it? Right, kind of right wing back almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> position for him. So he sent it forward, but did the role brilliantly, I thought. And then it was just like four centre midfielders, and they were like a swarm. It was like any time a Huddersfield player was on the ball, suddenly there's two Burnley players on him. And it must have been an absolute nightmare for him to play against because it was just, honestly, I was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Every time one of those got the ball, two of us are on him. Every time one of us picks the ball up, you think there's no option. And then Roberts would just appear out of nowhere switch it and it be and then suddenly somewhere would have 30 yards of space the football was phenomenal and it's like that you know that kind of tippy tappy stuff that yeah. Alexa, yeah. never really been a fan of it but that was it it's absolute best and you could see what we were trying to do and i just think it's incredible that he's got that going like you know with so team, quickly yeah um, honestly uh i could i could talk for an hour about it it, it blew me away i was i was so <laughs> impressed i loved it i absolutely loved it that's exactly the intro that I wanted from you Tom it's like and I think that was very much summed up um what we all thought and I think I think George I think it I think we you know we, we shouldn't really be giving Burnley fans a hard time here I know there's a lot of um fans particularly on on Twitter who get on your back if you're not relentlessly positive and you dare to to question anything and I think I think it's fair to say that the concerns that Burnley fans had before the season started were justified. We'd lost the 90% of our squad. You know, a brand new manager who is untested at this level hasn't yet managed in England. We were being told that he favoured some really modern tactics and uh, this uh, really strange attacking formation that we've not yet seen. I think it's, you know, I didn't think any of us were expecting to be chanting Ole 15 minutes into, into a game. What was, I guess, you know, without going over some of the, the, the points we're going to talk about later, what was your view? Like, how did you feel at half-time? Yeah, I'd like to take this this moment to point out that I predicted we finished second uh, this season. So, you know, maybe I was one of those. Um, hang on a minute. I'd call it's it. On, call. It's on record. 
It's on that course. Yeah, so. and I'll tell you something else. There's a hell of a lot more messages that I'm going to share where you absolutely do not. I am not having that, George Poole. You absolutely did not put us a second. I think you had us liquidated at one point in our summer group chat, so don't <laughs> give me that nonsense. Anyway, carry on, carry on. Well, as we all know, the real opinion's quite on the podcast now. <laughs> but but I, I was I was in camp Tom uh, I'm at, I I when the lineup came through on seven at seven PM on Friday night, I thought it was like a proper laughing stock. I thought yeah, and, and in bad. hindsight I was completely stupid. But I thought, Costello, why on earth are we playing some random kid up front? Like this is like we've been in the Premier League six years and this is a state of us. I thought it was a proper joke. And I was I think I was also really disappointed that Jay wasn't in the squad. Because I just thought, oh, it's yeah, his birthday, you know, it's destined to score. So I was really good about that. And then I saw Charlie Taylor at centre-back. And I just thought, what on earth are we doing? Like, why have we brought in so many centre-backs? And Charlie Taylor isn't playing. And I think, you know, at 7pm, you were justified to think, this this, this, this really cool. couldn't, this might, this might not be good. Because, like you say, we've lost so many players. <laughs> Brand new manager. I, I, you know, admittedly, I did say, oh, we'll finish second. But I, at the same time, I said, like, for six months, I think we'll struggle and we'll be up and down because I just can't see it working in such a, a small small space of time. But I think at half time we're all just sort of gobsmacked and blown away. And you, you could just, like Tom said, it 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 wasn't just that we were winning; it was the manner in which we were winning. It was easy, and I I don't say that Very lightly. Easy. It was genu- yeah. It was genuinely like watching men versus boys. Yeah, Tom's touched on the fact that we were around them like a pack of wolves. But uh, going forward, it was. It was really clever in that you had Cork and Cullen were everywhere. Oh everywhere. my God, it's it so good. Whether they, whether they were picking the ball off someone or they were passing it, they were everywhere on the pitch. But Brownell, it meant Brownell and Bastion could lick. They had they had the keys to the keys to the town of Huddersfield. They were just chilling, <laughs> in the, chilling in the Huddersfield half, and it seemed like every every pass straight through the middle of the pitch would find one of them, and then they'd turn and they'd have the opportunity to spread it left to Matson or right to Costello or Roberts. And it was just, like, like we say, it, was, it really was easy. And yeah. I think at half-time, it had, it had sort of eased many, many concerns. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this, this, is a, this isn't a, a small, you know, insignificant championship side that we were facing. This is Huddersfield. And they were playoff runners-up last season. And they had a phenomenal season. And, yeah, they've, they've lost a couple of players. And I think their manager was obviously a huge blow. But the gulf between the two teams should not have been as big as it was. Um, Tom, let's stay with with the issue, uh, particularly one that's been mentioned a lot of Charlie Taylor playing at centre half, because I think, like you say, when that when that team sheet came out, and particularly the bench, oh my goodness, that didn't look pretty. Um, that was the one thing that immediately jumped out. We were all very curious as to who would start in midfield because that's probably an area where we're most happy with at the moment um you know what the what the the pairing would be up front but you know defense we we, we didn't really know how it was going to go and, and I think it was quite right that most Burnley fans said why on earth have we bought 455 centre halves to bring Charlie Taylor in there and, and play there however the answer was very much that Matson is going to be a much stronger left back than Charlie Taylor. I think that's probably where we've got to with that. Yeah, and I think what Matson is is doing a different job to what Taylor was doing last yeah. last season. Last back, you know, he's, he's a lot further forward. I think Taylor's always been decent getting forward, um, but I don't think he's. I, I, you're never going to see Taylor bending a right foot finish into the bottom corner, you know, like Matson did. So there's obviously. And when we brought Matson in, I thought, oh, that's Taylor gone then, um, you know, because I thought, well, how are you going to fit both of them into the same team? And neither of them is going to want to sit on the bench. 
But yeah, uh, I mean, the job that Taylor did defensively was really good. I thought, you, you know, you don't often see a fullback winning headers and things like that. So that's a part of his game that he's obviously had to to adapt. I don't think he's a kind of a Ben Mee kind of no. centre half like stuck out on the left. I think he's an out and out fullback. So yeah, uh, he, he, I think he adapted to that side of it really well. Didn't see him. I think Roberts was playing more of a an attacking role than Taylor. Yeah. I think probably a better attacker. You know, he's, he's got he's got a goal in him, Anthony Roberts, whereas Taylor. Oh, Roberts doesn't like being a defender. Roberts is a frustrated yeah. winger by hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's it. So you could you could sort of see Roberts doing that job that Markson was doing almost probably yeah. on a, in a different game. But it worked really well, you know. With them, it, like I say, to me, it, it looked like three centre halves really, where Harold Bellis was was sort of the out and out centre half, and then Taylor and Roberts were kind of dipping in and out. It was so fluid, you know. It was. No wonder Huddersfield didn't have a clue what to do in the first half because I didn't know where Arsenal were playing. No, it worked, same. It? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, so clever the way they set up. Um, yeah, and and, uh, and I think it must be especially difficult for someone like Taylor who has had such a defined role for so many years, you know, and, and such a used to, you know, playing in that sort of strict, rigid way. Um, so to step into a completely new role like that, I mean, he wasn't playing like that against Shrewsbury. So, I don't know if he's done it in, in some of the other pre-season games, but he picked it up so quickly and he was fantastic. Yeah, didn't put a foot wrong. So, and it's encouraging for me because I think he's a good player. So I'm glad to I'm glad to see that we've got a role for him and Martin in the squad. Yeah, I think I think that's a really important that's a really important um, point there, and George. I think one of the things that stuck with me, um, and, and this is Daniel Bentley, who was one of the original founder members of um, of None and Ever back in the day. One of the things he tweeted was that you know whilst he'll we he will be forever grateful for everything that Sean Dash did for us we were subjected at times to some pretty unattractive football, and it wasn't just the unattractive football; it was the same thing every single week which just became in the end very easy for coaches and opposition players to counteract and nullify the fact that this season we've got such a dynamic and new formation we've got a modern thinking manager who is who he, he isn't following he's creating the new football that's being played and we're a completely unknown entity in the championship we have got back an element of surprise it's going to take the championship three quarters of the season to figure out what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not interested. There's this Twitter trend at the moment to go and bury Dash. Not bothered by it at all. No, it's it wasn't. Just, it I, wasn't I, I'm not, I'm not that, saying yeah. you are. I'm not saying you are. It's, I just, it's really annoying me at Twitter and all. I'm just like, who cares? Like, it's been and gone. Stop, stop doing this. You don't need to. You can just compliment company as it is. And like, like it's a fair said, comparison, I mean, though, George. It's a, it no, is a fair it, comparison. No, it's, it's not. No, it's not actually because Why? like like you said like you said to me, Natalie, and you were right to say, Oh, Dash haven't managed in championship championship in six years. And he hasn't. So he hasn't had the chance to manage in the championship, you know. Like, yeah. that being said, let's go on to the positive of companies, what you called four two two. Four two two. Four two two two. Yeah. And that's that's what we all like expected ahead of the game. When you watch the game, it's it wasn't like you say it wasn't that simple. I mean, no. Roberts was Roberts was sometimes playing as like a three at the back with Taylor and with Taylor and Howard Bellis. But then going forward, instead of being a four-two-two-two, it was really a four-two-three-one because Barnes was the most advanced, yeah. and you had Costello on that right wing. Uh, on the left, you sort of had Bastian drifting, and he's had Brownhill. But then you also had Matson just like bombing it down the wing, and it was just carnage. It was it was beautiful, beautiful carnage in that you had no idea. Who was going where? Well, Huddersfield didn't have a clue who was going where. 
yeah, we did. It just, it just worked. Yeah, it just worked so well, and it was so fluid. And you could tell teams are good. Teams will have looked at that and gone, "Wow, that's 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 going to be tricky." Yeah. And you're thinking of the analysts at the other clubs. They're going to be they're going to be struggling. And you you look in hindsight now, and you think, "I tell you what, tactical masterstroke." Not to show any of our pre-season games. To Definitely. Even Danny Schofield mentioned it in his post-match presser. It went. We've actually we've really struggled to get any footage of what they were gonna what they were gonna set up to be like, and we got it wrong in the first half. And you know what? It's a shame that we couldn't see any preseason games, but I tell you what, it didn't half pay off. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really good point, and that's that's just again, it's just we are bringing ourselves into twenty twenty. To 2023 football is this is a modern approach it's being creative it's finding ways to, to win games and I what I didn't expect George was for us to be the trailblazers of the championship I didn't expect us to be coming and outsmarting every single club and like you say some of the coaches with all all respect to some of the coaches but they won't have the resources within their clubs to even know what the next step is to counteract, doesn't it? That should make that should make for us a very successful season if we keep this up. Yeah, um, I I I can't remember who tweeted me. Uh, so apologies whoever did it, but someone said they watched the West Brom game. Um, was it was it yesterday that West Brom played? And oh, sorry, on Saturday or Sunday, wherever they played. Uh, but yeah. West West Brom versus Middlesbrough, was it? Yes. Yeah. Right, and they said Borough went ahead, didn't they? And West Brom equalised yes. quite late on. Finished one all, and, and, yes, and they said, yeah, like. Yeah, like these two are favourites for promotion, but the, whoever tweeted me said, I didn't get I didn't get enthusiastic for what, what football they were playing. And I watched some of it and I thought, yeah, yeah, they were playing good, nice, somewhat, yeah, good football. Like these teams will be up there towards the end of the season. But I thought, wow, compared to what, what we played on Friday night, like we were so much more fluid, so much more dynamic. It was so much prettier to watch. Like I was in team camp, Tom, in the summer, I was thinking, I personally <laughs> find Manchester City one of the most boring clubs to have ever watched. I think they're rubbish oh, to watch. No. They just pass it for the sake of passing. Whereas Liverpool, you Liverpool, they attack. They attack a team. They might they, may, they might not have the same amount of completed passes, but boy, are they good to watch. And I thought I was really worried. I thought we're going to lose that bit of like under dice when we attacked. You know, there was there was a reason for us attacking, and I'm really worried about that. But I tell you what, I take it all back because, like Tom said, there was so much intensity. So everything they did, and it was so dynamic in what happened in that you had Cork and Cullen, sometimes Bastion, sometimes Brown, or them triangles they were making in the middle of the park. It was just sensational. It really was. It was like, and it, like I, we spoke, I, I just want to say the plaudits of Matson. I mean, what a player. I, my, my dad's one of these who's like, oh, I don't know how it's all going to gel. Who are these new players? It's all too yeah. much. It's all too much. Pop, Papa and, Pool doesn't like change. <laughs> no, no. And a few of us do. But he, at half time, he went, that Matson, what yeah, a player. Really and good. I think that just like, that's that's all I needed to hear. It was like, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, th- I think what surprised me most, uh, Tom, was that one of the players that had been hyped up beyond anybody else, uh, I mean, obviously we knew we knew Cullen was going to be very good, but the one player who'd been hyped out of all of our signings and probably the one we knew most was probably the one who had the most invisible game, and that was Scott Twine. Like we were the we thought he was going to be the the new McNeil, the, the creative spark, the one that was going to lead the new revolution. And actually, he, I mean, he, he his free kick was very unlucky to hit the bar, and he had some really great sparks of brilliance. But he wasn't, he wasn't, in my opinion, man of the match contention or a shining light. I think. No, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Cullen for me was a standout. I think the problem for Twine, you know, he uh, he came on as a sub, um, and I think had he started, 
think if he'd have been playing that first half, he would have had a bit more joy. Yeah. Um, the, the time that he came on in the game, I think the Huddersfield did, did get a bit of a foothold. I mean, they didn't threaten us, but they sort of stemmed the tide a little bit. Um, so I think it was a more difficult mm. kind of, you know, it's, it's not... I mean, we, we had a lot of the ball still, but I don't think we were creating quite as much as we did in the first half. Um, so difficult for him to come into that. I, I presume the reason that he didn't start is because he had a bit of an incomplete pre-season as well, a bit of an injury. Yeah, he's coming back, isn't he? Yeah. Well there, so, uh, yeah, I think we saw enough, like you say, with that free kick. I mean, as soon as we got that free kick, everyone in the away end's like, oh, here we go. And it, <laughs> and it, it wasn't far off, obviously, to be fair. It was, uh, it was a decent hit. So I think, you know, I think the, probably the, the biggest thing that you'd say where you could see the team improving immediately is, on that right-hand side, Costello, like I say, didn't play badly at all. Had some really good feet, but the end product was lacking a little bit. And I don't think Barnes is the kind of player that um, you want to, to slot into this kind of team. I think he, you can see where he could do a job for us this season. And I think in the last 20 minutes of, of the game on Friday, he was he was holding it up well. He was winning the little free kicks, chasing down lost causes, that kind of thing. That's the job that he'll do well. Whereas, uh, you know, Twine is more the kind of player who's going to have that impact from the start where it's nil-nil and we're, and we're passing round teams and pulling them apart. So, yeah, I, I, like you say, you, you struggle to get into the game a little bit, but I think when you take all those factors into account, I think we're gonna, we've are gonna we got a lot more to come from him and I'm excited to, to see it. Tom, sticking with you, the other surprise um, with the very late news that unfortunately Jay had, had sustained an injury and wouldn't be played um, was that surprise call-up um, of Costello. Um, I think it's fair to say that he looked a little shaky in front of goal, um, but he was a fantastic addition and an incredibly exciting talent. So I guess, how do you summarise his first start yeah I think like I say I think um he was better in the build-up than he was at in the finish um surprised to see him on the team sheet first of all and surprised to see where he was playing I mean if you think that the left-hand side it's Martin who's a you know a sort of a natural left-sided attacking player left back kind of slash left wing I think you're asking Costello to do first of all the job that as far as I understand I don't think that is his normal role certainly not a right back he's more of a centre forward so a position he's not played before it's a level he's not played at before um so when, i think when you take all that into account i think he had a really impressive uh you know a really impressive debut he didn't look out of place at all in the build-up he could lay it off he had some nice some nice touches some nice feet i think obviously just while letting down is uh is a couple of good uh, opportunities that he didn't finish and especially the one where um Matson got the ball over and he's, he's on his own at the back post maybe could have added it maybe could have had a touch or maybe just finished it a little bit better i mean he dragged it well wide blessing but yeah, I think oh, there was yeah. enough there to show that he's got a bit of promise. Um, and I think it's an area that we're still a bit light in. You know, there's there's more rumours this week of, of incomings out wide. But, um, yeah, when you, when you think of the options that are there at the minute, it's basically Barnes and Rodriguez. And Rodriguez was injured and obviously JBG, a lot of injury problems we know. So how much we'll see of him, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to, to think that we have got an option that we can get out of the under-23s that... Uh, and that doesn't look out of place, like I say. And, um, it, you know, in the last few years, uh, George mentioned, you know, previously that, that interview that Pace gave where he's talking about going out and winning games and, and talking about a better pathway for young players into the first team. I think, uh, like, you, like you said, I think it's a bit churlish to put that at Dyche's door. I think it's more a reality of 
it's easier to, to win games in the championship and it's easier to plug these players in the championship. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's nice to have that opportunity, you know, one of the positives. Um, and hopefully we're starting to see the work that's been done on the uh, academy in the last few years start to bear fruit. George, another player who I think most people have probably got down as, as man of the match was the absolutely incredible Josh Cullen, who slotted in in that role in the base of midfield like he'd been playing there his entire life and looks like an unbelievable steal for three million. Like, he was phenomenal. Yeah, certainly. Um, not to put my own trumpet again, you know I hate to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, went, really. <laughs> when, 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 we went, when, when uh, I went on uh, Radio Lancashire before, before the game and they were like, oh, who's going to be, you're most looking forward to seeing. I said, Cullen, you know, he's just, he epitomises everything we've done right in this window in that he has been brought from Andalek with company. He's almost like a Vincent, but on the pitch. He yeah. knows that system inside and out. They've done it at Andalek for three years now. And Cullen, you could tell, uh, we'll go on to the rumours about Benson coming, but you could tell um, with Cullen's leaving videos at Andalek, how much they all loved him. They were all, you know, hugging, hugging him. It was a really nice video. And it just showed how much he meant to all the players and staff there. Oh, and I remember similarly. that. Yeah, that yeah was... it was lovely. Interesting that Benson had sort of similar treatment at Royal Antwerp yeah. uh, on Saturday night. So that's, prom- sorry, last Ooh. night. So that's promising. Uh, yeah. But we'll go on to that later. But yeah. Cullen himself, absolute Rolls Royce. I know it's cliche and I've tweeted it's cliche, but I've never seen anyone look like, more like, it, it takes me back to watching Joey Barton at Burnley. It was almost like he was jogging around the pitch at times because yeah. he made it look that simple. And he's a short lad. He's a snappy. You can tell when he goes in for a tackle. He's making no bones about it. He's going in there to win the ball. And it just epitomised everything, what was brilliant about Barton when he dragged us up uh, and obviously went 23 unbeaten that, that first season he was with us. And I think just off that one game alone, I can tell, I can just tell he's going to be very similar. He, he sort yeah. of sits deep and he's the first one all the game. My dad mentioned it to me. You could just see Cullen just asking for the ball. All the time he wants it at his feet because he knows he's going to drive it forward. And I've just, I'm, I'm no stat man there, but I brought up the stats here 98% pass accuracy. I mean, and they weren't, and they weren't, haha, <laughs> I've stolen them from Natalie. And Literally they just stolen just, my link. <laughs> and, 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 they, and they weren't, they weren't no, they weren't risk averse passes by any means. They were cut, cutting through the centre midfield, three chances created, a shot on target, which isn't mainly his forte, um, 10 recoveries, two tackles. Uh, Burnley ended the tweet with only one Josh Cullen, and yeah. I can't, I can't uh, echo those words more enough. I was so impressed, and I'm, I'm going to pass over to Tom now. But Tom, were you as impressed? Because for me, this is the guy who's going to be our player this season, yeah. and I'm calling it now. Just hang on a second. Let me just let me just give you actually before you come in, Tom. I will give you those full stats just to give him full credit because we did get um, resident statistician Dave Roberts's stats for this. Josh Cullen's it was 96, 96 touches. 82 passes, 79 completed passes with a 95% completion rate. So that was the full start that we were talking about there. But um, yeah, sorry, go on, Tom. Uh, I wasn't going to be anywhere near as scientific or technical as you guys were. <laughs> we're doing our homework this year. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I just wanted to shout out, um, there was two or three times in the game where it's like, it's Cullen's like on the edge of the box and... Um, he sort of like, is there a pass on there? Not sure. And he'll just, he looks like he stood there with his hands in his pocket. It's really nonchalant. And then he just did the ball out of nowhere. Yeah, he does. He just finds a gap that I can't even see. And suddenly someone's clean through. Amazing. I love that little pass. Because uh, I always, I thought, 
and when I seen him against Shrewsbury, he was sort of coming to the edge of our box and um, and just taking it off the keeper kind of. But he was a lot more advanced than I was expecting, and he had that two or three times. Like I said, it was just like a little toe poke, really casual, but amazing. Like the range of passing that he's got was superb. I'll tell you what I said to me dad, um, if we'd have had him in our midfield last year, we'd have had a better chance of staying up. Yeah. That's the kind of player we've missed in last season, someone who can just pick a pass like that, pull the strings. Because Westwood has got that in his locker, I think, but he only played like one pass repeatedly, didn't he, last season, whereas Cullen's got a lot more to it, you know, a lot more kind of variation in his locker, I think. So, yeah, really excited to see more of him. He was a cracking man. Yeah, and speaking of those passes, which is obviously something that we've been talking about quite a lot with with um, uh, Colin's contribution to the... So I'm very hesitant with our players' names, so I've not quite learned them all yet. I still keep forgetting who we got. I keep wanting to say Westwood or something. Um, 506 passes in that game, which is a club record in any league in our history for completed passes. George, this is... This is just... This goes back to what we were talking about, wasn't it, about how... We just didn't expect this this game from them, but but Cullen had a massive part to play in that, and that partnership with Cork was sublime. That that midfield will literally be the envy of every Championship yeah. club this season. It has to be. Jack Cork played for England four years ago. He's that good a player, and, and obviously Cullen's got a bright bright future ahead of him. And I, I know it's I know uh, you can take this with a pinch of salt because obviously different level of opposition. That was more passes than City played in their game against Liverpool at the weekend. <laughs> we're and, you know, obviously, obviously <laughs> yeah, we're, we're taking that. And obviously, it's different opposition, but it just it just shows it, it sums up the game for us. And you can look at the second half and say, okay, we didn't. It was a different game. It was it was a bit more edgy. But at the same time, look, if you control that much of the possession, Huddersfield don't have a sniff at trying to. They have thirty no. percent of the possession. When are they going to get forward and and make a move? And it wasn't just. The amount of passes we did, it, it was everything we did with it, and we kept it in their half. We kept them back in their half all game. Even when we didn't have the ball, we were first, first of the man, first of the ball. Just keep it, just the pressing, just to keep them away from our half. And it meant that literally, I remember during the second half, me and my dad were saying they've still not had a shot on target. They've, they've not had a shot on target. They've had one shot, and then and then there was that one where it bobbled and he hooked his left left peg around. It went over the bar, and you're like, that's their first real chance. And, yeah. and you could just all game, and you thought, "Wow, if if we have if we have that sort of passing game against all teams this season, even if we're not scoring a, a monumental amount of goals, it'll be it will be difficult for opposition to come and come and try and score against us because when are you going to have the opportunity?" Yeah, uh, Tom, you've just put a quick message in the thing saying, "What do you just explain what you mean by that?" Because I'm not sure I follow what you were saying. Sorry, yes, just saying, following on from what George was saying about the way we had impressed in their half. So it struck me like the last um, sort of probably about five, ten minutes to go, it was around the time Twine had the free kick. There was, a, there was a passage, probably about five minutes to play, where Huddersfield, you know, they're 1 0 down at home and they need a goal. And we just had them pressed on their own 18 yard line. They just couldn't uh, get out. Yeah. Camp there, like we were desperately knocking on the door to get a goal, like as if we were 1 0 down. And the way, yeah, the way we press is fantastic. And, you know, a lot's been made of the way that we've changed in possession now. It's, you know, it's all about keeping the ball. But it has a knock-on effect on the way we defend as well. Like George says, you know, if they can't get the ball off, they can't score. And last year, you know, with Pope and Tarkovsky and me, we're playing to our strengths. And, and the strength there was, you know, let teams have the ball outside of the box because we've got the best, one of the best keepers in the league. We've got two fantastic centre-halves who will get in the way most of the crosses, most of the shots. And we obviously, they've all gone. 
and the defensive structures had to change because of that. But we're not just trying to replace these players who are pretty much irreplaceable. You know, the stars changed, and with that, the way we defend has changed. And now it's, it's not a case of, um, you know, low block, dig in at 1-0 down and see what you can do. It's a case of, well, you, you ain't scoring because you ain't got the ball. So it's, uh, you know, it's clever, not just from, you know, an offensive point of view and how we're building the attacks, but how we're setting up to defend as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, turning to the game itself then, George, um, I mean, to be honest, there wasn't an awful lot that happened in that in that second half. I think the job was done by half-time, but um, albeit coming on to looking at transfers in a minute, I, I'm not entirely sure that 1-0 will be a convincing scoreline for a lot of championship games. Um, first incident that we had to, to look at and one that I wonder whether it was our first test of how we feel like post-VAR. Um, penalty on Ashley Barnes, yay or nay? Yeah, to be fair, like I know you two disagree with me, but uh, watching it from TV, this is just stopped. Uh, it like it looked at, at the time we both we both in our house went, oh, what a cracking tackle! But when you actually watched it on the replay, I didn't see any touch of the ball. He took his legs from him, and you can see all oh, Barnes dilly dallied, but it doesn't matter. Look, he was ready to strike, and he got his legs taken out from under him. So it's a penalty for me, but at the same time, it's one of them. Oh, do we want VAR? Do we not want it? Because it was nice. It was a nice game about it, but. For moments like that, it makes you rue, rue the day where we yeah. don't have it anymore. Okay, well, I'm definitely in camp, not a penalty. I think it would be really harsh to be given. Um, I think it may have been given in the, in the Premier League um, because just because they, uh, that's the way that the Premier League is going, but I didn't see it. So I'm going to give the casting vote to you, Tom, no pressure. Where do you sit? I thought he got a bit of the ball, to be honest. Though. I thought the same as George in real time. I thought he's, he's played a bit of the ball there. And to be fair, I think if we're talking about VAR, could have quite easily, you know, if VAR decides to go a penalty, it might then go back and have a look and see was he on side because that's quite a tight call as well. And yeah, then you four minutes waiting for some crappy to draw a line on the screen and eventually the outcome's the same anyway. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take that without VAR. I much prefer it, to be honest. Oh, sorry, George, you lose. Um, sorry, unfortunate. Um, but the other incident that we had in the first half, which was splendid and not disputed anyway, was, of course... Uh, Ian Matson. Am I saying that right? Is it Matson? Is that how you pronounce it? I believe it's Matson. I'm Matson. going. I've got the casting decide. I've got the casting vote this time. I'm going Matson. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's not a I, rule. <laughs> I, I, I heard Tom say Matson earlier, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sure company said Matson. So yeah, but Tom's posh, posher I'm than the that. rest of us. He's the he's the he's the, like, the posh one of the That's team. True. So yeah. we'll he Belgian accent. It's not as good as my Dutch accent. That's what it is. Uh, is that what it is? Right, well, I'm going to go Matson for now, unless somebody comes on. and uh, If any of our listeners can correct me, fine. You know, God, our regular listeners know I'm terrible with names, so do correct me if I'm telling that terrible So, Matson, um, so strong on the wing. Um, we, was, we had such energy and such speed in attack. And, Tom, I think the goal very much epitomised that. And it was a fantastic effort. Yeah, beautiful finish. Like we were talking about earlier, you can't see Charlie Taylor cutting inside on his right and just bending the ball in the far corner. Um, but I think it's difficult to talk about that goal without talking about that tremendous assist from from Barnes. You know the way that he uh, he trips over his own feet deliberately just to stop the the, the ball dead, just so that Martin can go in and, and hit the shot. Fantastic, you know, a, an intricate bit of build-up play that uh, that's gone sadly underrated in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, one of the interesting things then, George, was that. Um, company has said after the game that he's not looking for an out-and-out striker. He doesn't think they'll get an out-and-out striker. And actually, the, they're very much of the opinion that the 
team's going to have to share the goals um, this season. Now, it definitely helps if your left-back's getting the first one. Um, and I still don't think Ashley Barnes is going to get us anywhere near enough that we need to. Um, and obviously, Jay's now injured again as well. Um, I just That's my only worry, I think. That's my only red flag from the euphoria of this weekend is that if that's what we're saying that we're going to have to share the goals I'm not sure I saw that much in the side that that will get us a lot of goals what's your view on that yeah do you not think it's remarkable that we've gone like 40 minutes into the into the podcast without starting to talk about the goal it just shows how like exuberant exactly right yeah the performance the performance in total but um I don't know I feel like there's been a bit of misreading what I took from what I took from that 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 press what well, that interview was that he said obviously at the moment we don't have a goal we don't have a goal scorer who's going to be prolific so we're going to have to share the goals I, I think he's still in the back of my mind he wants a goal scorer but I think we've got to admit it's just going to it, it'd be difficult to do you look at the championship top scorers last season none of them are either ones that will actually be good enough uh, and two available I mean the likes of P- Piro from Swansea, they're not letting go. Brereton Diaz obviously isn't going to come to us. The rest of them are just like Lewis Grabben. You, you know, it's, it's not for me that, and it's, it wouldn't be for company. So I think there's a bit of like realism about it. But at the same time, I am a bit, I am confident that we can share the goals. You look at City, they've not had an out and out. This, this is the man every season. And I think I'm, I'm a bit different to Tom. I think what what was a nice balance to us on Friday night is that we weren't just a team full of tricky little players. Barnes offered us there was a balance there's a balance in having like a bit of a brute up front and and he's creative players behind him because because he he but he released he held up the ball well to release the players who were better on the ball than him to do their job so I think there's a nice balance there but obviously we're going to go on to transfers and my dad was saying to me earlier oh but really we need another wing attacking midfielder look like Brown and Bastian were playing but there's 46 games in the season yeah and if if I tell you, if we're going to get these two lads that we've been linked to, there's goals in them, and the sh- and I think what we're overlooking is Twine scored goals for fun last season. I think there should be there should be there should be goals. In it. Yeah. Oh look, it's a step up, and I'm f- firmly in the camp, not as that optimistic about him. I think when I saw what I saw from him, I think he needs to bulk up to be a good championship player. I just think he looks like one of those League One. It's not as intense. One of the love League One lightweights, but I think put a bit of meat on the board. And he's there's a there's a heck of a player there. So uh, no, we just descended into the most Burnley chat ever. Like oh, crack like League One goal scorers. If there's a player there, but oh, we need to put a bit of meat in the bones. But every now and again, we all fall into the most stereotypical Burnley fans ever. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it might well be, but I think there's, there's definitely goals in the side. And from what I saw defensively on Friday night, one nil do was. And you know, going away from home as well, you can't just you can't you know you, you can't get everything in the world. You know, a one nil win. I think we'll be having a few of them this season and we'll be, they'll all be very valuable. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, actually. I think sometimes I forget to give us credit for the things that we do very, very well. And it's, you know, generally speaking, if you look at the stereotype, a 1-0 isn't usually good enough for the Championship. There's a, there's a lot more goals. Um, and you can, you know, you can get hit by, you know, if you if you switch off, you, you'll get you'll get hit by, you know, there's a lot of goals being scored around. I keep saying that point, I can't think of what else I was going to say. Um but you're right, our defence just looked incredible. Like it, it was just, it was, I keep coming back to this point, but listening to all the commentators and all the footage that I've seen since, it's just, there's, there's commentators and there's pundits just sat there gobsmacked going like, I, 
I I don't know what I've just seen. Like this is this is incredible. Um, let's go on to. I don't think there's anything else game wise that we need to talk about. I've talked about Christelle. Oh, hang on, go on, George. What do you need to talk about? I was just going to say this is one of the things I was most impressed by by company on Friday night. Is that in what he and he's he's this isn't just he's come out with it on Friday. He said he's consistently through preseason. Is that it's all well and good talking about styles, but he wants to keep the things that are good at Burnley or in place, the defensive solidity, the hard work. And you saw it in bundles in the second half. I yeah. think, again, I, I don't know who tweeted it, but someone said they were as proud of the second half as they were the first, because whilst the first is all well and good playing this lovely football, in the second half, we grinded it out. We knew exactly how to finish out a game still. And I think, you know, it's going to be really important with us this season. And, and it, it, even... They're all trying to hype him up all these pundits after the game or interview him. So oh, it was amazing that. And he was like, I'm not interested in the style. I don't want to talk about it. It's all well and good. But what I saw in the second half was that hard work. And that's yeah. that's what I asked for. If it takes a year for a player to learn my style, well, that's fine as long as they're working hard. And I think that's one of the things I've been impressed by. It's like he's kept the, the hallmarks of what made the Dice team really good, but added, added some sprinkles of magic uh, going forward. Okay, well, let's move on to um, the rumours that we've had circulated today about players that are going to come in, because there's, my gosh, we've been pulling out the players forever and the, the revolving door keeps revolving and, and, and VK is not done yet. So the four main players that we've been linked with today, are, this Manuel Benson um, rumour is still going on. It's apparently supposed to be four million um, from Antwerp. Callum O'Hare still refuses to go on. I think, I don't know whether that's dead in the water because it was where he wants to go back in for them now that we've got the McNeil money. Um, two new rumours that have come around today are Darko Cherlinov from Stuttgart and uh, Jovan Cabral from Sporting Lisbon. Forgive me, I didn't do my homework. I don't know where each of those play. I'm presuming they're all midfielders. Um, Tom, I'm going to I'm going to hand over to you just to talk about your hopes and well I guess are any of those from what you've seen um realistic prospects or something that you you think we really need to, to break the bank for uh from what I've seen which is not very much I've seen some YouTube compilations of uh the Benson uh Benson I found more Benson Josh's brother I think he uh, looks really good on them uh, on them clips and then the same for the chap from his name, the guy from Sporting Lisbon, the, the last one that you mentioned. Jovan Cabral. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I watched an eight minute video of him today and he looked fantastic. But then I, I was like, well, if he's so good, why why is he being linked with Bristol City and Burnley? And I looked it up and apparently he was on loan last year at Lazio and he got three games. So maybe there's you know, I don't know, maybe a, a, a you know, maybe he had a bad couple of years, I don't know, but he looked like he got something about him. That's the kind of player we need, isn't it? Like a tricky winger. You know, you think if he was playing instead of Costello on Friday, would we have had maybe one or two more goals? It's that kind of player. Yeah. Um, the the chap with the Serbian sounding name, I've, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, Shelly Yeah, Darko yeah. Shelly So, ben, Benson and O'Hare are both attacking midfielders. That's what their their definition is. Um, and the latter two, Shelly and Cabral, are both um, attacking wingers. So we've got two, we've got, I guess, two more outward players and two more central players. I'm not sure. Obviously, we're not going to get all four of those. So I suspect we're probably just going for all four and the hope that we get maybe one each. Um, but again, that, that George, very much links to what VK was saying about um, 
sharing the goals. And if we're not going to get an out-and-out striker, then he's going to have to find very attacking midfield players. But out of those four, which ones, you know, do you are you most excited about? Which ones do you want to see in? Well, the, the lay of the land that I see is that the, the sort of Serbian, that deal's not happening. He's been promised he's going to get first-team football at Stuttgart this season. So that one's so we can not get happening. rid of that, OK? We don't, we don't think that's really going to happen. And the, the, the sort of the, the rumours are that he, he's really open to staying there. Uh, Callum O'Hare, now he had, he's got a hamstring injury. And word oh. is it that that was quite, a, that's, quite that's why he didn't play a commentary at the weekend. That's the reason they gave. But it does actually seem like it, it could be like a serious, like a few months out. Um, so that obviously that puts the nail on that head until January. But Manuel Benson, same as Tom, we've all watched that um, five minute YouTube video. And the most impressive thing is that was, you know, that was like four or five years ago whilst he was really young. And he looks like a prime Lionel Messi. Like he looks brilliant. Um, <laughs> but but he, he does come with, he, he's up to 25, 26. He looks a real prospect. And left footer, just something a bit different. We love watching Goodmanson play, but he's not fit that much. And I think. Like I said, we call it earlier. The same happened with with Benson. Uh, it was last night. He didn't play. It basically this deal's finished. He didn't play. He came out onto the pitch afterwards in his grey hoodie, said his goodbyes to the fans, to the players, and they they all lapped it up. It, you know, he's really treated as a not god, but they really love him over there. And I think that's that's a nice hallmark of a player. Um, and we are saw we in competition? Are we in competition with anybody else for him? Is it just no, us? no, that one's at, that one's happening. Four million, you can. So quote Benson's coming to us. Oh, there you go. Listen, yeah, yeah. You but, can all go this, after this, George if it doesn't come out. The sports in Lisbon week. When these this news broke today, I, my mates know more about European football a lot more than me, and they were all absolutely buzzing, buzzing about him. Uh, Will Lancaster. I mean, he's a, he's a journalist, so he actually does know what he's on about. Unlike unlike me and well, just me. Unlike me, he knows what he's on about. And he said... I was say, really, just what, hang on a minute, why are we getting tired with your brush? <laughs> yeah, I, I realise how for a shade. I went, just, I, went, I went, just me. But yeah, I mean, as a winger, he scored 14 goals in 68 games for Sporting Lisbon. And we, now we're a championship club. We can't just be seeing Lisbon as sort of just another European club. They're a much, they're a really good club. And to go on loan to Lazio, I mean, there's something about him. Like Tom said, he only played three games, but... Who knows why that was? He might have been injured. None of us know at this moment in time. But just to go on loan to Lazio, heck of a player. And from yeah, from what, what, what I've heard when people have watched him play, really impressive talent. And it's just one of them. We've got we've got to trust. Every player, every debutant on Friday night were brilliant. I mean, Vatinho yeah, came really on. Vatinho came on. He were really good and it was so fluid. God, I forgot, I've even forgotten about him. I genuinely how have we not even mentioned We've got a Brazilian. Brazilian, yeah. So Tom, he's remarkable. We've got a Bra- we're signing think, Brazilians. I think we've just got to think. Wow, if if every single signing that played on Friday night impressed, heck, you know, let's keep yeah. him coming. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. I, I, my 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 dad like was just like he just sent me a message going, "That's all. Like, we're signing Brazilians." Like it was just like hilarious, and and it's yeah, it's something that I didn't think we'd see it to. Um, right. Before we move on, then, um, I'm going to ask you for the official team none and ever analysis show man of the match, please. Tom, you first. I think Josh Cullen just gets it for me. I thought he was yeah. great. Agreed. Um, I, I'm going to give it to you, George. Who was your man of the match? I'm going to defer to Vincent Company on this one. In that he, I, I also like, I love Cullen, but I feel like there's a bit of bias there because I, I, he's the sort of player I love, that sort of centre midfielder. But company said to, I think he joked in his interview afterwards that he, he told Josh to give the match award to 
to Ian because he was that impressive. And I think for a young lad as well to come in and play mm. like that, I'm going to give man of the match to Matson. And it's one of them where the goal swings it, really. Yeah, that, well, yeah, Burnley fans usually give man a match to whoever scores a goal, to be fair. Um, yeah, ask, ask Bob Wallstown, they always do that. Um, well, uh, for the second time this podcast, the deciding ball goes to me. And I'm sorry, George, the second time this podcast, you're going to lose out on that because I also went with Josh Bullen for man of the match. So, listeners, your official um, known and ever analysis team, man of the match, goes to Joshua Bullen. Um, Okay, it would be uh, a couple of things it, uh, before we let you little listeners go. Um, it would be um, remiss of us not to mention the fact that England are now European champions and our absolutely incredible Lionesses side after what was just an absolutely awe-inspiring summer have brought us the Euros for the first time in England's history. Um, linked very much to that, for those of you who haven't yet seen it on social media, um, we are absolutely delighted to be announcing that um, Team None and Ever has also um, expanded its team to add another female voice this season. And uh, we are going to be joined by Georgia Rigby. Uh, is it oh it's Georgia is it Charlotte it's Charlotte isn't it oh my god she's gonna kill me so Georgia and Charlotte are sisters and they've both got I love Ginge on Twitter um so she's she's genuinely gonna kill me um listeners it's it's not it's not Georgia but it's Charlotte Rigby poor girl um she's gonna be joining us this season which is very very exciting and I I genuinely can't wait she is known to most of you on Twitter as I love Ginge um but while we're on it please do also follow her sister <laughs> Georgie Wigbiff is also a fan and is also great as well. Um, and she's she's working at the early stages of this week, so we haven't quite um we haven't quite been able to, to get her on this first show, but she will be with us um hopefully for the analysis uh preview show, sorry, towards the end of the season. So please do uh, make her feel very welcome. It has been an aim of mine to get a second female on the podcast for some time now, and she definitely <laughs> so these two are giving me so much abuse in the chat box here for uh, for getting a name wrong. I mean it's it's a fair thing, they are uh, it's not a fair thing, it's an awful thing, but they're now calling her how are you pronouncing that? Our first my goodness me, I'm not even, do you know what, listeners, I'm not even, I'm not even reading out this chat. They are quite rightly giving me some abuse. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll introduce her towards the end of this week in our preview show. So please do follow her on Twitter. She's an absolute joy and we're very, very lucky to have her. Um, and that just follows on, Tom, from, um, I don't know about you, but I've just been absolutely buzzing all day um, with that Lioness's victory. It is definitely some, um, some achievement. Yeah, the Memphis, you know, after the the um the kick in the unmentioned was we all got last year from the men's team in the Euros final. It was brilliant to see the women go one better. Deserved victory. They were the best team in the tournament. And hopefully, you know, it'll be it'll it'll mean that domestic women's football, you know, in the in the, the league structure ticks on. Um I know it's a bit of a shame that the women's team uh, our women's team these days play at Leyland and not Paddy. It's a bit harder to get to, it's a bit more out of the way. Um, but I think they've got a really bright future, made some good signings this summer. It's nice to have Leah Embley back, so we must have a proper claret in the Yeah, team. very happy about that. Yeah, and I think the 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 appointment of Jonathan Morgan, you know, so this is a guy who's who's got you know a team promoted into the women's super league before. So I think that's a real statement of ambition. Uh, and I think it'll be a really good season for the women's team. So if the listeners can go down and, and check a couple of games out, I'll be uh they play a few games around the East Midlands where I'm based, so I do try and get to them if they're uh, if they're around there, so I hope to get to see them a few times this season as well. And yeah, hopefully the momentum that the, the England women's team has generated this summer can uh, can kick on and, and improve the game at all levels in this country. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the thing, George. It, it's just it felt like the destiny of the summer, didn't it? it? You know, it was a home Euros with a an incredibly talented squad who were actually by far the best side in in the entire Euros on there. And to to lift that trophy at Wembley, I think I think England had to win. I mean, I think they'd done very well to get to the final anyway. I think that would have still had quite an impact on on women's football, but they had to lift that trophy up to have the significant impact that we all hope they're going to have. Yeah, it was superb. And it's, it's one of them, it felt like it felt like the right time. It sort of felt like everything was going in that direction. I mean, there's that infamous tweet from the England official Twitter account from 2015, which was really, like, sexist. And you just think, you know what, ties back then. It's ridiculous to look back on. But the way they united everyone, um, you know, throughout this summer, I went, I went and watched it um, at, at the pub in, in Waddington and... I think there was maybe uh, one or two women there, and that was it. But the rest of them were all just men who were buzzing for it. And yeah. Were really, really excited and like really proud, like when the goals went in and when the full time whistle went. And you just thought, wow, you know what? Maybe like five, six years ago, it wouldn't have been like that. But it just felt like everything was right uh, for this summer. So yeah, it was brilliant to watch. I think that was the thing, Tom, that got me the most. It was there's those of us who've, who've watched women's football for a long time you know the crowd and it is it is a, a heavily female crowd and a lot of school kids are there and it's, it's an amazing the, the the women's football community is a fantastic community but this summer the England crowds were more like what you would see at a senior man's club game they were male heavy there were lots of men there who were there in England shirts supporting them not because it was trendy, not because it was, they felt they were supposed to, because they were enjoying the game. And if you look into the crowd when the goals go in in each of the games, there is genuine celebration and genuine cheering from a significant number of what you would guess uh, the unexpected crowd at England games. That was a difference for me. Yeah, definitely. They've, they've really harnessed a lot of momentum, I think, in the last few years. You know, the standards improved so much in the last few years. I remember when I started watching, compared to what it is now, it's night and day. Um, and, you know, we're all football fans. If there's a good standard of football for us to watch, you know, we'll watch it. And, and that, you know, that, that's how it, so it proved. I didn't get to any England games, unfortunately. I did get to a few in the Greek games at Sheffield and Rotherham. Uh, fantastic atmospheres, really good crowds. Like I say, a really good standard of football. And it's been a brilliant tournament. And, yeah, you know, the best way to cap it off is, is with an England victory. So, yeah, it's been a, been a great summer. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that get harnessed as well next next year. We've got the World Cup to look forward to as well. And I think Definitely. that it, you know, it's only going to improve from here. And, uh, and it, you know, if you get into the women's football, it just means you've got a, a tournament summer every every year, which is what, which is what we'd all like, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think rightly so, the FA, I, I don't always like to give FA credit for anything. Um, but I think, George, the... FA deserves a, an enormous amount of credit for actually putting their money where their mouth is and, and investing in Serena Beekman because she did not come cheap. She was highly sought after. We had to take her from, uh, was it the Netherlands? She was she was in the Netherlands, wasn't she? Um, and she's literally one of the leaders in the game and we invested in them. We spent a lot of money on them and they've got to be, they've got to get credit for that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all, I think we've all taken the mick out of going down the, the Phil Neville road uh, a while back. But you, you look, you look, it's night and day from then to to now to bring in this woman who was literally like, you can you can just tell in the way she just holds herself. She's the, the absolute pinnacle, the top of the game, and it's just one of them. I, I bet it brought so much confidence to the team itself to say, you know what, like we are back to, to go and we we're, we're sort of one of the favourites for a reason. And, 
they did everything right throughout the tournament. And to be honest, in the end, although it went to the obviously extra time last night, it was just sort of it was almost clinical the way the way they did it the past couple of games. They 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 knew how to finish the job. Yeah. And I didn't have I didn't have too many nerves going into extra time. Uh, so and oh, I think God, I just I goes did. To, it goes to, it goes to show like they've they've been the best team in this tournament for a reason. And yeah, they, so yeah, well played yeah. on bringing in Serena because she she it's deserves amazing. the keys to the city now. Yeah, I think she'll get it. Um, Tom, it was quite a battle against Germany. Um, I think they were. I think Germany and England were by far the better sides in the tournament. Although I think England were better than Germany and significantly had a harder route to the final. Um, but it was the scrap that I was expecting. Yeah, a lot of major finals are like that, aren't they? It's not yeah. very often you see. I mean, even the semi-final, you know, beating Sweden in that manner, you just don't see that very often. No, exactly. Um, you never get an easy win against Germany. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to see it, the game go the way it did. I think the, the better team in the first half, but the second half, Germany got more and more on top. And, and the goal, I mean, an unbelievable goal, what a ball from Walsh. Oh, and what yeah. A, from Zoom, uh, sorry. Yeah, incredible goal. And um, and it, it took a moment of brilliance like that, I think, to get a foothold in it. Um, I was the same as you going in such a time. I was very nervous because I think the momentum was all with Germany. Yeah, it was. Um, what you saw, again, what you typically see in a final when it gets to extra time, it's very cagey. Teams are worried to, to make a mistake that, that leads to the goal and, and you couldn't really see where a goal was coming from and it's just a bit of a, an error at the bat, which is something you've not really seen from either side throughout the whole tournament. The, the two best teams defensively by a mile in Germany. Yeah, we and uh, and that toe poke and, and got the winner and it was an incredible moment. And yeah, one that's yeah. going to, I think it really, really will resonate down the years that. Yeah, well, uh, massive, massive respect. A couple of, well, obviously, the two goals were incredible. Um, how Ella Toon kept her cool with, she had the German um, defender right on her shoulder and the keeper's coming out to her. I do not know how on earth she kept her composure to put that ball in the back of the net. But special mention, very Ashley Barnes-esque moment. Big, big fan of Alessia Russo trying to read the tactical note from the German player, then realising she didn't speak German, uh, which was just the most funniest thing I've ever seen. That that was just hilarious. Just that level of, um, well, you know what it is. Uh, I can't say it because we don't swear on the, the podcast. But yeah, when you saw it, I was like, absolute massive fan of it. And it's just like, oh yeah, no, I don't speak German. Can't read that. Um, but yeah, all good. So listen, listeners, if you have enjoyed what you've seen this summer, um, I know all the talk today from, you can expect this from the international level is to get yourself down to a WSL game. Don't just go to a WSL game. You know, the, the women's sport is, isn't just about the Premier League as, as the man's sport isn't as well. Um, go and watch your local women's team regardless of the team. And of course, Burnley women have their own um team and they are you know now professional Alan Pace has invested in them and they have um, ambitions to get into the women's championship very very soon so get down and support them um George sorry did you want to finish something off before we wrap up yeah I was just going to say there's been quite a nice movement I've seen on tw- today on Twitter which you know it'd be good if people get behind it is the, the, the question like you know what they're playing in the playing is it Leyland they're playing in and yeah you think, right you know even if it's just a couple of games get them playing it at Turf Moor, you know, before or after one of our games, or at least in the Burnley area, I just think it'd be so much better, you know, capitalise on this momentum, and uh, it'd be much, it'd be, it'd be better if the Burnley women uh, were based a bit, a bit, bit nearer to Burnley. So yeah, yeah I think a bit things of, like a bit that. Of momentum behind that on Twitter. 
I think there's a cost element to that. Um, and of course, we can't just de decide that we will play a game before, because obviously we've got, you know, we've got our, the schedule of the, of the Women's FA and, and so that's not necessarily that easy. Um, but I do agree that there are enough facilities around Burnley that we can bring them close to home, at least bring them in the Burnley Padium area. That would be fine, not over in Leyland. Um, so yeah, let, let's keep an eye on that. Let's see where that goes. Um, listeners, that is all we have time for. We have um, very much enjoyed this podcast. Um, Burnley started their premier uh, no oh my god this is what's happening i can't get used to new players names i can't get used to being the championship i can't remember who are flipping new signing is this is terrible um <laughs> our campaign in the championship got off to a flying start with a victorious and wonderful display um, i leave you with just some of the comments from national broadcasters about our game it was shocking it was entertaining it was direct it was positive there was a high press and a narrow formation and it was just electric. Um, my thanks as ever go to everybody who has um, contributed to this week's analysis show and um, to our colleagues, George and Tom, who have been on the show tonight to give their thoughts. Um, to a special mention actually again to George, who is um, guest producing while producer Matt Sun is himself on his holidays. So um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and, and obviously thanks to the rest of the team in the background who have also helped contribute to our um, first analysis show this season. Um, finally, my thanks to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. And once again, joining us for another season here at None and Ever. Your support is always appreciated and we would not be here without you. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the None and Ever podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.